We have a new sponsor of ROAS. You are not your ROAS is happy to welcome our primary sponsor, retention.com. If you love money, you're going to love retention.com. You'll hear more about them later in a bit. Until then, enjoy this episode of You're Not Your ROAS exclusively on the Triple Whale Network. I came to New York without a job. I stayed on my cousin's couch and I just interviewed and talked to anybody that I could. Uh, and it took about three months of, of just talking to everyone, getting a lot of rejections. And, and I landed at this agency that had just gotten Dos Equis and um, was starting to build this up. This was in December for the April launch. And it was just, uh, just lucky that I was able to do it uh, just as my uh, savings was running out. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of You Are Not Your Roas. We brought in the cheese slinger, the man with the plan, Greg Lorenzo. Greg, how are you, my friend? What's going on? Excited to talk all things cheese, mermaid parties, Roas, marketing, whatever you need. I'm here to discuss all the things. Yeah, man, let's get started. So you have a really awesome job at the, what's new? I always mess up the name. Stockel Dreamery. Stockel Dreamery. Swedish. Sweet. That's what. Oh, that makes tons of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the got the merch and everything. Um, one, your website's amazing. I absolutely love it. It's such a really cool, fun take on uh, not only a blend of user aesthetic, but just a, a different take on UI. And it really stops you in your tracks, but it also doesn't confuse you. And I think that's a really hard balance to strike. So kudos on you guys there. But before we dive into the value add segment, let's learn a bit, little bit about Greg. Um, give me kind of the too long, didn't read it. I saw you went to school in uh, Boston and then Australia as well. Melbourne, Australia. Let's uh, go. Australia. Very conservative upbringing. Um, you don't have to know much about growing up in West Hartford or Boston College, except in my first job, I thought it would be appropriate to wear pleated khakis and an oversized button-down shirt. Let's go. Uh, in, <laughs> within the first week uh, of of working in New York City, uh, the, the owner of the company that I was at wanted to fire me because he felt the guy just didn't get it. Uh, <laughs> I, I had read one of those books, don't dress for the job you have, dress for the job you aspire to. And so uh, my dad being uh, a doctor and, and going to work every day and, and pleated khakis, I was like, certainly the CMO of a uh, big agency wears fancy clothes. Uh, so luckily, uh, at the agency I was at, uh, we had a costumer, uh, who took me around Manhattan, got me some cool clothes some jeans, um, some uncollared shirts. Uh, we, we threw away anything with pleats, uh, and I was able to, to salvage the job, uh, and, uh, get introduced to New York. And you can imagine kind of a, a small town, simple man, uh, if you ever been to the box in New York city, um, Randy Weiner, quite a character. Um, an assemblance of, of the wildest acts from around the world performing. Uh, I, I don't think we can even say at, at two or three <laughs> in the morning. Um, that was my introduction to New York City. We we hired the best of the box and went on the road uh, with Dos Equis, uh, creating the most interesting show in the world, a, a series of acts that the most interesting man himself is said to have picked out. And so, uh, you know, this little small town kid with, with pleated khakis, uh, being introduced to the roadies and and the characters of the box in uh, all sorts of weird towns around the country. Uh, <laughs> that's that was my introduction to marketing uh, and and the launch of Dos Equis, which was was right place, right time. 
um, with with the most interesting man, and and really hopefully <laughs> set me on uh, a series of interesting events uh, in my career that that eventually ended up in cheese. That's so interesting. Uh, also, one one of my favorite marketing campaigns. You guys nailed that. That's that's really cool. So, what did the roadshow consist of? Yeah. So, uh, of of course, an MC uh, yep. starting with. Um, Jim Moore, eventually, um, the party now guy who always wears all white, uh, not Andrew Dice Clay. Um, uh, great and, reference. Uh, I'm going to have to come back to it, but essentially, um, an, an MC and, and five or six acts, we would play in clubs, um, like the Highline Ballroom, um, to, you know, down across the, uh, the South and, and West, um, of, you know, the, the wildest, most unusual acts, uh, sanctioned <laughs> by the most interesting man. It was an introduction to Dos Equis. I think the, uh, the core of it was, uh, no one had heard of, of Dos Equis outside of Austin and San Antonio back yep. in 2006, my dating myself, uh, and Heineken USA had, had some dollars to spend outside of the core of Heineken, Heineken Light Amstel. Didn't think too much of it. Didn't put too many folks on it, which was fantastic. Yep. Uh, and just let a, a few agencies do their thing. Uh, the most interesting man was born, uh, and, uh, Cinco de Mayo of, of 2007, we just had enough money for Texas and California marketing. Um, to the point that, uh, 2007 for Halloween, I, you know, I was in the world of the most interesting man. I dressed up for a party at the limelight, uh, back before it turned into a mall. Uh, and no one knew who I was because the marketing hadn't gotten to New York yet. <laughs> are you George Steinbrenner? Like, why are you dressed up in white? Um, but, you know, I, I, obviously a year or two later, it did so well um, that we expanded nationally um, and were able to, you know, the, the big thing there was everyone at the time was all about beautiful women, sports. Yep. That's, yep. that's how you relate to beer. You know, the most interesting man, his thing, he wasn't a shill. So he wasn't going to say, oh, we just drink Dos Equis. He was just going to say, you know, I drink a lot of things, do a lot of things, but when I'm drinking beer, Dos Equis is nice. And I think that understated note uh, was refreshing in the beer landscape at the time uh, and helped propel us uh, far beyond our, our media spend to to national attention. And then, uh, you know, obviously the, the campaign built got a life of its own uh, yeah, for it many did. years until the most interesting man was sent off into, into space. Uh, but... Yeah, a, a terrific campaign, a, a terrific intro into marketing uh, from the start of my career. Yeah, man, talk about a cool first act. How how'd you land the gig? Uh, I besides was work- depleted khakis and fantastically yeah, I, oversized I, collared shirt, I, I was working at the Boston Beer Company, makers of Sam Adams Twisted yep. Tea, uh, and loved the company, loved the passion that that Jim Cook brought every day. Uh, one of my favorite things about that company was. Uh, the, the FU rule, uh, pushed by Jim Cook, essentially saying anybody can tell anyone else to, to go screw themselves as long as there's a valid reason behind it. Uh, the big thing there was encouraging transparency. I think they saw the biggest enemy to success as doing what's right to avoid confrontation, to not hurt any feelings. Um, so after every interaction, every sales call, there was always a moment where we recapped all the the good and the bad. I think that helped propel uh, that company further than, than others at the time, because there was no time to waste on unpleasantries. It was a very high energy company, yep. uh, that was very transparent. So I love, I love that energy, but ultimately, you know, I was on the sales side and, and yeah. I don't think 
I was ever made for for straight sales. You know, just this yeah. idea of a a goal every month to hit, yeah. and then you you do that, and then you have a new goal, and it's yeah. just like okay, that's. I want something that builds on each other. I, I, I like the idea of campaigns. So I came to New York without a job. I stayed on my cousin's couch and I just interviewed and talked to anybody that I could. Uh, and it took about three months of, of just talking to everyone, getting a lot of rejections. And, and I landed at this agency that had just gotten Dos Equis and um, was starting to build this up. This was in December for the April launch. And it was just uh, just lucky that I was able to do it. Uh, just as my uh, savings was running out. Look at that. The the classic NYC story. I I love <laughs> New York City, but I would burn up there. I'm, I'm a big fan of I, it. But you man, know what? if you my... can make it there, that's you can, it, it, That's like life on hard mode. And like being, if you make it there, it's amazing. Yeah. I Being in Boston and having everything close up around 1.30, I actually, when I moved to New York and, and the closing time for, for nightlife was 4 a.m., you know, <laughs> five or six if you find the right places i thought it was my duty to be there until yeah. close because i was lucky enough to be in a city yeah. that had such late late nights uh it certainly cuts into the weekend though when when you're out friday saturday until, it's a lot well 4 a.m so i had to uh have a bit of a reset after a few years not not even drinking just just feeling that yeah. i had to be out talking with folks so yes um lots of activity all all day and night, but of course, um, the and the folks that that find success uh, know how to moderate. Uh, so, so it took a little while and and figured it out. That's such a cool story. Yeah, man. There's nothing like the antidote of youth, right? Like I, I have, like I look at a beer now. I'm 37. I look at a beer now, and I'm like hungover for like three days. And I remember back in my my heyday, I used to run, and we would we would actually go. Um, so in division one, it's kind of weird. Like you can't practice seven days a week, but you can choose what day off is the day off in the week. And so our coach didn't want people to go out partying. So on Sundays would be like our super long run. Like we'd hit like 10 or 13 miles or something like that. And so me and my buddy who are kind of like the two best runners on the team, we just go rage or like the soccer team and go park in the parking lot at like 630, our teammates and try and grab like a quick 30 minute nap or something. Our teammates come knock on the window and then we're cranking out these 13 mile runs, like just oozing whiskey and vodka it just smells like a bar and nothing of it. Like I couldn't even look at a 13 mile run with a, you know, 17 week rest period or something. So that's so interesting. Um, I think beers have gotten a lot heavier as well. So fair play. Yeah. So maybe it's not us, right? Yeah. We, yeah. we get off our lawn kind of stuff. Give us good stuff back. Um, what was one of your favorite cities? Never underestimate the fun of uh, Indianapolis. It, it sounds like kind of a small town, especially. It's oh no way! Um, yeah, I went to think? IU. I no, went to IU. Yeah. Um, have, have you done open to close at Kilroy's? Yeah, of course. Yeah, we did <laughs> a little five hundred. Like, yeah, um, I, I, I pushed oh, the Bloomington party scene to the limits what? for sure. There's, there's just so much good energy there. And this is coming from someone. So working with Captain Morgan, one of my jobs was to manage the captain. We yeah. went around to every single city, you know, um, University of Illinois, Iowa, yep. Wisconsin, yep. you know, Ma oh, yeah. Madison's certainly a good time. Madison's fantastic. Um, I almost it, went there. However, yeah, I, I would say both Bloomington and uh, like even Broad Ripple, Indianapolis. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Small enough. Low throwbacks. <laughs> Um, you know, of, of course you can say, um, you know, Vegas, New Orleans, et cetera, yeah. but that is so predictable. I think, yeah. um, 
the the cool thing sometimes about ending up in Indianapolis and having such a great time is you don't expect it, so it's yeah. even more yeah. fun because it, it takes you by surprise. Just yeah, and in re- it comes from the people, you know, yeah. a great energy, yep. an openness, uh, <laughs> a push to have fun, um, a, an element of of not caring enough to to try new things. So um, yeah, in in traveling around, I think honestly. Um, probably about, I would say 55 cities is about what I'm at. Um, yeah, I, Indianapolis, right? Uh, sorry, uh, Indiana as a whole, right? Right yeah. up near the top. Yeah. That's amazing. Now, Bloomington's beautiful, man. Bloomington, the campus is beautiful. Um, it's a big nursing school, so a bunch of beautiful women and it's, it's just a vibe there, man. It's a really, yeah, Bloomington. And, and, so and the, the stone is that's where they mine the stone the for quarry, like yeah, the, all the limestone. building. So beautiful, yeah. Yeah, beautiful limestone for it's like the fourth or fifth, fourth or fifth biggest uh, limestone producer in the world. There's a huge quarry just maybe not even an hour from my campus proper, and that's why the buildings are all so gorgeous too because it's so easy just to build with limestone because they just quarry it from the just two feet away. That's so funny. How funny. random. Bloomington, Indiana. Shout out Kilroy's. Let's go incredible i went back actually uh when i go back five or six years i haven't been back in a while but it's crazy the campus is it's totally different uh, like there's there's high or not high rises but like big condos now on kirkwood and uh yeah the beautiful campus I but you still see mark any. cuban uh let's get the Roy sport jamming in that like corner i've he seen him multiple it. times he loves uh, it it's chilling there is yeah. a uh kind of lore around the campus where he went out one night and basically just bought all, all everybody drinks and then end up spending a crap ton of money, cut up the credit card and stuff. Yeah, he's a bit of a, a mythical figure in terms of uh, IU lore. That's amazing. He's a character. He's I love character. him because he doesn't, and I, like, when I say don't care, it's that he doesn't feel he has to stick to any existing norms. He cares very much so, about many things yep. by not caring about what everyone else thinks he should care about. And that's... So totally. yes, the, the entrepreneurial magic. Yeah. hundred percent. And the, um, intentionality, which, which he lives his life is really cool. Cause it, it, it kind of, it encapsulates what you're talking about where it just has a goal and he crushes it and he does it. Also is kind of a good guy, man. He's doing some really cool stuff and prescriptions. Um, oh my goodness. Just, a, just an overall good incredible. Yeah, yeah. Just overall good. You know, that's how he made his money was, uh, streaming essentially. Broadcast.com. Yeah, I use well, basketball have, and then use broadcast.com. Yeah, I'm gonna use so, oh my gosh, yeah, but of I love it. Uh, how interesting. Okay, cool. So you've done your circuit, you slung some alcohol. Now what? What's the next <laughs> move for you? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for me, and I pass no judgment on anyone, um, but the alcohol industry for me, and I put so much effort into <laughs> it, a, a ton of all nighters. Uh, and what I found was I was working so hard to convert people, you know, in my case, from Bacardi to Captain Morgan yeah, yeah, yeah. or from, you know, some sort of scotch to, to Lagavulin. And it just didn't do it for me in terms of satisfying larger needs. Sure. It certainly does it for some people. And yeah. and that's great for them. I, uh, you know, it, and, and so I think for me, the only message is, is finding something that if you're going to put a lot of effort into it you feel good about and, and yep. you're excited to, to tell your kids about. And, um, that was a difficult transition when you're really focused in, in one thing in, in beer and, and alcohol, you know, I spent 10 years 
a, a lot of parties, a lot of fun, the jobs that people want to hire you for. Oh my goodness. You can be, you know, you can run this Proximo account. Yeah. You can run, um, this Anheuser-Busch account. It's like, no, 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 no. And so, uh, uh, a gentleman who who was running an agency uh, that that dealt more with with tech companies, Google and, and Spotify, yeah. to help um, with with their global strategy, um, gave me a chance and saw that that my skills were transferable um, into you know if I can help alcohol brands, I can certainly help tech brands, yeah. and and that was my break to <laughs> to break away from alcohol, yeah, yeah, a lot, and and was able to get a really good background into. Uh, just general brand strategy, and yep. you know, with with Spotify, we help them grow uh, their overall audio strategy globally. Um, with with Google, we help them think about how to get more creative thinking out out of their partners, um, and and that opened the door for me to enter. Um, Better for You Food, um, which I I started first as as a consultant, and I literally just. Um, was able to sneak into Expo West through through yeah. a maple syrup company. Was able to walk the booths. I I was one of those people that, as a supplier, we all get annoyed by pitching my services when really the suppliers, you know, want to be pitching their products to to retailers. Um, got a lot of no's, but luckily you got three thousand uh, different brands. You only need a few. You only need one yes. Two yeses. Um, and one of the first big yeses was Super Coffee. Uh, they were, were growing really quickly and wanted to get a better sense. Uh, you know, my, my specialty that I was building up, uh, was behavioral economics, how consumers think, uh, what consumers are buying, what and why. Um, and they had a lot of questions because they were, uh, a terrific brand started by college students, which they yep. initially thought would be consumed by other college students. Uh, you know, who, especially athletes who had morning workouts and then needed to stay awake during class. And what they found was there were millions of soccer moms buying them. And they're like, what is going on? Like, an athlete drink. And, and of course, plenty of, of student athletes as well. Um, but we were able to get uh, deeper into that. And as it turned out, a uh, um, a product with 200 milligrams of caffeine, some some healthy fats, a good source of protein, and a resealable lid uh, was absolutely perfect for um, busy parents who didn't even have enough time to to make breakfast for themselves. Um, could could just grab a super coffee, get the energy, maybe maybe a quick bar as well. Yeah. Um, you know, reseal it, put it in their car, put it in their gym bag, what, whatever the case. Um, and those people also had the money to be able to buy it in bulk. Consent, yeah. Uh, so, um, as, as I continued to work with, with super coffee amongst other brands, first it was, you know, 25% of my time to 50% yeah. of my time yeah. that, um, you know, by, by 2020, it just, you know, remember talking to Jim and, um, it was like, look, <laughs> there's so much to do. We have so much potential. Um, would this make sense to come on full time? And so, um, started just on the insight side and then and then gradually took more and more on until I uh took over digital uh creative and and marketing uh and uh to tried to play a role in uh in helping to grow the business uh as well as uh writing the the series C presentation to oh wow raise the hundred million dollars uh to um to bring the company to the next level so um, yeah, it was a, it was an absolutely incredible experience. I'm, uh, forever grateful for the, the super coffee brothers, uh, for, <laughs> for giving me that opportunity. 
Um, and you know, a- after three years there, I was just absolutely hooked within the industry. And yeah. one of the things that, that they do a lot of that I got into, uh, was really advising and investing in other brands. And, and yep. you know, as soon as you're learning the knowledge, passing it on to others. So That's beautiful. You know, at this point, maybe you've collected too many, but, uh, there are about eight brands that I advise and invest in now. And, um, you know, I, there's so many advantages, um, to, to, to having that knowledge, even if you're, you know, some could call it giving away your skills for, <laughs> for free, uh, what you get back in, in understanding, um, and perspective of, of the industry is so valuable to do your own job well. And I think one of the funny things, um, is that as a, you know, hundred million dollar brand advising a lot of, um, you know, to five $5 million brands um, from Super Coffee, you know, there was a certain amount of knowledge that I was giving. I think now jumping into Stockheld, where, you know, we're just, we're, we're brand new in the U.S. We're established yep. in Sweden, but but so much to do. Now, uh, the <laughs> the advisor has become uh, the learner for, for some of the zero to one moves that, you know, I just had never had experience with, you know, securing your first distributor, Sure. Um, getting some of the contacts for um, for getting into retail, and so uh, definitely been a symbiotic relationship, uh, and and thankful for the the connections and partnerships I've made there uh, to be able to you know not only give knowledge but get a whole bunch of knowledge in in return as we scale up Stockheld. Man, what a wild ride! Powerful Super Coffee, fantastic product. Um, I I'm with you on that, man. I think that they're there's definitely, to your point, a certain balance of, because I, I try and do that a little bit as well, where, um, you know, on the come up, like all these people were helping me. So it's really nice to kind of pay it back. But then there's also that balance of like, you can't pour from an empty cup. And, and uh, like the, the, the inbound DMs start to just kind of rise and rise and rise. Um, but uh, I love that of just really helping everybody out whenever you can, as, as much as you can. What's crazy is you something, especially because you're so well versed in this space, something might not be like revelatory for you of like this big light bulb moment, but then you just, you know, give fifteen or twenty minutes of your time to some nice guy or gal that has questions and then that could be like the most impactful meeting of their life slash year or something like that. So I, I think it's beautiful to pay that forward. You also learn things better when you teach them, right? So the so. Feynman method. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Feynman method. And I, I think that Wow, really well put there. That's such a good place to plant a flag because there is so much. Uh, so there's this concept called beginner's mind. And ultimately, it's always being able to take yourself back to the beginning, especially when you start to um, absorb all this expert knowledge where that becomes your kind of operating level, right? And so being able to go back to that beginning, kind of a perfect example is like a super copy, right? Like have some have some theses, but then when the data changes, your theses should change. And so it's, instead of just this athlete, you, you discover this huge TAM, which is arguably probably better of rich soccer moms, right? Like the, these affluent women have way more disposable income. They have a way more um, kind of vigorous job to be done where they don't have time to be messing around where a college student, it's great. And it's an enhancement. Whereas with the, the soccer moms, it's almost like a necessity. And so being able to pivot into these different markets shows uh, not only your awesome understanding of, you know, probing your customers for insights, but also the ability to make a narrative to sell it to the leadership. Because that, that that's also half the battle, right? Like you can have this amazing idea and initiative, 
But if you can't wrap it in data and make that narrative exciting to leadership, there's really no point because you're never going to get the resources to deploy those campaigns. Yeah, I think TAM is a very important uh, topic that I've learned a lot on over the past few years. So the um, to, to bring it all back together, I think what excited me about Super Coffee that I can never get within alcohol uh, was that there was a bigger cause here. You know, there, yeah. there's a lot yep. of sugar in beverage, and here's an option that's yep. zero sugar. It's yep. it's the same thing that that has me excited about uh, Stockheld, where uh, you know we know dairy cheese is delicious, we know uh, real meat is delicious. We also know that you know if we're going to get anywhere close to our emissions goals, uh, we can't do it just through uh vehicles we right. we need to find a way uh to to balance you know again i'm not uh i'm not for the type of take away all the cheese take away all the meat no no we we just need to find a way to balance um the great uh great meat great cheese uh great great milks um not always relying on animals and and i think we've made a ton of progress in milks and and meats cheese is, is the place you know maybe the most difficult uh but where there's the most potential but when we when we think about tam you know, we jumped into the coffee industry and we're like ready to drink coffee four billion dollar industry boom yeah. The, yeah. the world is ours we're going after yeah. all of that four billion uh i think uh tyler ricks who uh worked at pepsi for many years uh, is now the ceo of super coffee brought up a really good point you know at pepsi when you see an end cap of Pepsi, you don't see it all of Pepsi Zero or um, or Diet Pepsi. You generally see three quarters of Pepsi and, yeah. and about a quarter of um, of the the zero sugar stuff. And and when we looked into these industries more, um, that lined up with almost every industry except uh, the functional ones. So yep. you do find in energy drinks now, um, it's up to about a third of the market is zero sugar versus. Yep two-thirds. Uh, but for, for soda and, and honestly for coffee, uh, the reality of the situation is um, it takes you know, 10, 20 years yeah. in order to convert people from yeah. sh- sugar to, to non-sugar. Um, and a brand with a, a moderate budget, you know, any, any brand that, that's only make, that, you know, not only, but has, is um, able to make 10 to 100 million, they, they certainly don't have enough to convert a whole generation from right. from sugar to no sugar. So, you know, what you're really going after is the TAM of folks who, for whatever reason, it's already available. As you as you think of, of older folks, you know, when you're young, your metabolism's yeah. going strong, you, you don't notice it. Um, there's not as much of a motivation to to switch away from sugar. Just like, yeah. you know, in the cheese side, I know I'm having two conversations at once, but they're, it, it's similar in the sense of, um, you, you know, you know, you don't care as much as whatever is the most yeah. delicious or um, I mean that craft singles let's go <laughs> yeah or you know it doesn't affect your your system as much you know but so um I think the the net here is have to be realistic in your business about yeah. the cam of your actual product and, yep. and um real with yourself that you're not always going after the big TAM of, of yep. the category if you have a better for you product or a plant-based product Oftentimes, that's only you know five to twenty-five percent of the actual market is is the TAM, and you're you're going to expand that pie, but you're not going to expand that pie in two years. You're going to expand that pie. You know, Oatly was crazy. <laughs> I mean, they rebranded in two thousand twelve, so it's it's been 
10 years, but but they've certainly been around for many years before yeah. that. And it took that long until finally, you know, I think it was this year, maybe last year that it was announced as the default um, milk option in, in places like Blue Bottle or, or something, you know, to, to go with oat milk. But for 10, 15 years, let's say 20 years, um, they had they had to fight to just win over the the folks who were already open to it and then slowly build that market. So um, I, I think that can help a lot with calculations. I, I yeah. think a lot of folks maybe have gotten burned with yeah. being over aggressive with their TAM or, or thinking that every you know, breeding human is, uh, like, well, is isn't every person the whole category. In the world? Yeah. yeah, I don't uh, think um, so. And um, as long as, well, I, I don't know whether we're already into the next segment, but with that, um, the number of SKUs that you can have yes. within that TAM that are repeatable. So essentially, if you have, if we have a cream cheese and then we have five flavors of cream cheese, there's very little incrementality after that third or fourth flavor, yep. unless you get into the low fat or the high sure. protein, like it, um, unless you're changing the functionality to have more than a few SKUs, given that TAMs are less than you think they are, yeah. um, you're just going to be cannibalizing yourself, I think, as has been another key lesson in in this. So, I love that. For people that are uh, not hip to it, uh, sorry for using acronyms, but TAM is total addressable market. So basically the people that can buy from. The other thing that I find really interesting, and then I'm going to get to the last question, the uh, uh, main segment, and that we'll We'll get to the reason why the people bought the ticket and the value add stuff and getting all the nerdy stuff of stock held. But um, another really interesting vector is because I, I agree with you, those generational people are essentially ensconced and they're they're very, very hard to move and they're very expensive and they can be very uh, not judgmental, but very they, they, they just like what they like. Um, so definitely carving those other people out. But I think what's also really interesting, um, especially for me, like in terms of super coffee is. Um, you can take people that are not consuming and then move them into a consumer. And those people are usually a lot easier if you can nail your branding. Um, getting people from non-consumption to consumption is usually an easier road than getting people to change their current buying behaviors. Um, so I think that's something that is also really interesting. Uh, okay, last question. What is the nicest thing someone has done for you? I mean, <laughs> I'm a product of a thousand nice things that people have done for me. Um, wow. Um, I think my, uh, my wife agreeing to marry me is the greatest move in, in my life. I mean, um, now, and now we have a son, um, and, and being able to be in, in CPG with, with high demands and, and very lean teams, um, is, at least for me, impossible without an incredible partner uh, to meet me halfway or more uh, through all the challenges. And by the way, she works full time and, and more as well. Um, but but is so supportive of you know the passion that that I have that that the team has for uh, you know all of these great causes, whether it's lowering sugar, whether it's bringing better plant based products um, to the market. So yes, I uh, my wife definitely. Um, goes above and beyond and is the the core figure that allows me to be me. I love that. You can never go wrong, never go wrong with a wife. Shout out. Shout out, Miss Lorenzo. Let's go. Um, okay, let's get into the value add segment. Give us the first, I guess, give us the uh, uh, elevator pitch for Stockel. Absolutely. So we are, after four years of research and development in Sweden, 
the best tasting plant-based cheese now coming to the U.S. Let's full of go. tang using dairy processes, uh, no nuts and no soy, uh, cultured legumes, uh, and starting with cream cheese and then jumping into a few other segments, uh, both in food service and retail. Uh, the brand is fun. The idea is, really is worry about deliciousness first. And of course, um, with great plant-based products comes, you know, benefits for the planet, um, benefits for consumers as well with, with pricing being lower than, uh, nut-based cheeses. And, you know, if, if we can give you great tastes and, and you have some fun along the way, you know, we, we've done our job. I love it. Um, how long have you been there? Just a few months now. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Dude, amazing. Just, uh, just started. So essentially with with Super Coffee, it was a terrific experience to to help a company go from yeah. about 20, 25 million to, to close to 100 million in sales. Yeah. And I, I realized that there was, there was really a gap in my knowledge to help for that zero to one move. And so yep. um, for me, that this is the best of both worlds because the brand has been established in Sweden already. Uh, it's sold in uh, the the biggest grocery stores as well as uh, in in food service and restaurants. So there's uh, a proven system, and they realize you know just to give you an idea, the total number of grocery doors in Sweden is 2,500. Uh, total number of of doors in the U.S. is is 100,000. Um, and expanding into Europe. Europe is not like one thing. You don't just yes. expand in Europe. It, it's a series of small countries, yeah. and and even in bigger countries like Germany, uh, there are different regions that you have to expand in at, at different times. So, um, the U.S. offered the the most opportunity. I'm here with uh, the CEO at the head of supply, and and we're bringing on a head of uh, sales in the U.S. soon as well. So the four of us are going zero to one with with Stockeld in the U.S. So it's an incredible opportunity to take this awesome, you know, the, this first product in cream cheese, uh, some other products soon, uh, and uh, introduce it at the very beginning. Uh, to at, at first, we're starting with the top bagel shops, yep. um, and then uh, expanding into to retail in the fall as we uh, ramp up U.S. production. Retention.com is not only just sponsoring your not your ROAS. Retention.com is here to help you make more monies from your email campaigns. They're an amazing resource for marketers, and you can see all their podcasts and resources right on their site, including the five fundamental flows you need to grow. Go check it out at retention.com or in the link below. Now back to the show. And, uh, and so, you know, tofu is subsidized by the government. It's incredibly sure. cheap. Um, we're, we're never going to be able to compete in price with tofu. Right. Uh, however, when it comes to tang, protein, that, that cream cheese flavor, I mean, yeah. we made multiple people cry at Expo West uh, because since they had switched to non-dairy, they'd never tasted something with, with so much flavor. Yep. Uh, so obviously, you know, and knowing Tam, we're going to go after the first 5% of the market that's yep that's vegan, make sure uh, that we do great with, with that customer that already has met us at not wanting dairy. And then as, as we talked about ex before, expand the pie to the, the flexitarian and, and new customers who are interested just in, in great tasting cheese. You know, we, we have so much to say as a company about the broken food system yep. and the, the need for great plant-based cheese. 
uh, and other products that, that don't rely on animals. And we know that at the end of the day, there are not that many Americans that, that want to hear about that. The Americans want to hear about great products. They want to try delicious things. You should tell your friends about awesome things. Um, so we have a bold brand in bright orange. Uh, a really a great tasting brand. product. Uh, we're going to be doing some fun stunts. We're going to start there and and meet people with a great product. And then, of course, for those that want to listen or, or spread the cause, they can. There, there's no pressure on our end. Uh, we know if, if a bunch of people are buying us, that that's playing enough without uh, having to get on on a soapbox. Uh, but certainly for the industry, you know, we, we take an active part in that conversation. Um, but, you know, we're 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 leading with taste as as every brand should i man i really love that take because all the other stuff is really cool but for me i i'm with you especially in in specific with the american market like i i have this joke kind of about tesla like when you start to get like a p85ds like the fancy teslas you're into like serious price points you know what i mean you're talking about 120 150k for a car it's not nothing uh but that person that buys the tesla isn't necessarily like they can get a ferrari you can get a beamer whatever you want they're not necessarily buying the Tesla because they want to save the earth. That's that's just more of a perk, right? They want they want the Tesla car and they don't want to be seen like the douche in the Ferrari, in the red Ferrari. And so I love that you're leading with taste first and then all these other ancillary benefits, whether it be to the environment, et cetera, et cetera, is really kind of building building behind that. But the spearhead is taste. And I think that's a really, really cool tact. We also feel there's kind of this mono brand of plant-based with, you can picture it, that a leaf and have nice flowy texts. <laughs> and um, it's just so plain for yeah. us. Like, have some fun. Have um, some fun. And, and that's also what we want to make sure uh, we're, we're holding ourselves to, to a standard of you know, a bit more excitement in, in the brand and, and how can we continue to be bold. Uh, because you know, as as your shirt says, obviously, yeah. um, you can't be selling the water side. Uh, yep. It has to be the lifestyle side, and, yep. and that's what you know. Liquid Death has done an amazing job of um, Death Wish as well, and of course, yep. um, uh, Black Rifle. Um, yeah. really wow, talk about a merch, rocket ship, huh? A merch yeah. and content brand that that yep. happens to sell coffee. I wouldn't recommend anybody. At this point in 2023, trying to sell coffee on the internet, I mean, you sell lifestyle on the internet, yes. and maybe you have some coffee on the side. Man, it's so beautifully put. I always think of that as well in terms of uh, supplements, where a lot of supplement brands, I think, are um, really lifestyle brands at their core, right? Like they're selling the aspiration, they're selling the 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 lifestyle. If you use this product, and that's a little bit kind of uh, going back full circle. The OG uh, liquor play, right? Alcohol and bevy. Like you have the pretty girls, you have the party, you have the most interesting man, this good-looking old guy that seemingly is rich, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I like that you're you're pulling in all of your expertise across everything. I, Are you? It's a, it's a job. In case anybody wants to have it, <laughs> um, to to just go to clubs and buy tables with whatever bottle you're paying me. I used to do it for Stoli Elite. Uh, we we used to do it for Kettle. Uh, invite celebrities to your table yeah. and just be seen with with a certain product. Yeah, uh, It's not necessarily a high-paying job. Uh, you certainly <laughs> get to, to live a good life. Uh, very high burnout rate. But yeah. uh, absolutely, Grey Goose is no better uh, in taste than, right. than Kettle, 
than than any of the others, but they spent the most in getting in every important club at every important table. Uh, and and so of course you know people who order goose by default uh, for no other reason than the lifestyle. Yeah, it's ninety five percent lifestyle, five percent taste. Yeah, I love yeah, that. Same man. same with energy brands for the most yep. part. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you look at uh, kind of what Prime is doing and stuff like that. I think they're a little different though because they're essentially just tapping. Going to your point of like lifestyle, this is almost just monetizing the the distribution that Logan Paul and KSI have, where it's just like they're just everywhere. Um, it's really interesting. Well, you... and we're good. KSI, do, do you know where he was? Uh, what brand he had partnered with before uh, Prime? No, he actually he actually had uh, his own product. It was with G Fuel. Um, interesting it, it wasn't him fully it was it was him owning one line g fuels teamed up with with a lot of different um uh, influencers uh-huh. um but it didn't give him the voice there wasn't necessarily the the right interest in mind to fully own it yep. uh i obviously what well, i don't want to get cliche here with uh you know Emma chamberlain's and yeah. uh and mr beasts and, and jake paul's of the world but there's a whole i um do some work with with a company uh, that works with um, large influencers and, and stars and, and is looking through the supermarket kind of one item at a time of what can we essentially lifestyle and yeah. treat as a um, treat as sorry what can we white label and treat as a lifestyle yeah. brand um, and so there this is a it's I would say it's mid range. It's about to be kind of too late to get in, but I, agree. I, I would predict over the next three or four years a huge influx of you know anyone who has ten million or more followers <laughs> on any of these channels uh, starting their own white labeled coffee, energy, kids brand, you know, et cetera, based on um, and and honestly, you know, it it it's easier from a marketing perspective to start with those ten million followers than it is to start at zero and try and work with these influencers for these super inflated rates. Um, so you know, it's it's a smart business model until it's not, and yep. and it, it it's not when you know it's a critical mass is reached and then you know every influencer has an energy drink and and it's over. But certainly these first movers, uh, you know, Mr. Beast and um, and Logan Paul. Um, Logan or Jake? Just Logan, yeah, yeah. Logan um, are are winning. Yeah. Um, and of note, um, not just on D2C or digitally. I think no, very they're... quickly they figured out they needed the Walmart and Target partnerships um, because, you know, those Walmart has 4,500 stores. Target has, I think, 2,000 stores. Yeah. Um, it's just how you're going to get to be a hundred million dollars a year revenue brand. It's just too hard, uh, through digital, especially yeah. shipping liquid around. Yeah. Oh man. So well put. Um, and you're right. So I, I used to work at an agency and, uh, I was uh, lucky enough to be able to do some stuff with Oprah and like, ha- I mean, Oprah's like the pinnacle to be fair, but like having that little celebrity card with the distribution and the name recognition and the face recognition, it, it really is a cheat code. Um, the other thing that I love that you said there is um, penetrating retail because that was going to be my next next question. Are you guys going retail only? Are you guys going to dabble in D2C? Like, is it hard to ship this? Because is it perishable or no? It is absolutely perishable. Okay, uh, so that, that starts so to add wrinkles. 
We, yeah, I would say um, one of the companies that I advise and invest in, uh, Actual Veggies, I think has done it really well. So they have a product that can either be frozen uh, for a longer shelf life or refrigerated. Uh, you know, certainly they, they have a website where you can order direct. However, uh, just the, the infrastructure in this company, um, FedEx Coal does not get it right a lot of the time, you know, up to yeah. 15% of orders. And so trying to do it on your own uh, with a cold product uh, is very, very difficult. It would have to be the ultimate cold product. Uh, yeah. But instead, what they've done uh, is to go through marketplaces, and they they have a burger made um, with all veggies. Uh, marketplaces like um, Purple Carrot, Hungry Root, uh, and Butcher Box even yeah. now having uh, non non meat options. And in those cases, the um, they don't have to do the marketing; uh, sure. they just have to be able to supply it at at the right price. Um, they don't have to deal with, you know, they can ship it all to one location. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's made their business, uh, you know, break even, yeah. uh, at, at the least, um, even with being in retail. And, you know, I think that one of the things we learned at super coffee, there's no shortage of number voodoo you can do when it comes yeah. to analyzing the ROAS, talking about LTV kind of amortizing the cost of of the advertising and saying oh well that's helping retail but when you look at the bottom line it is incredibly difficult in either cold chain or um liquid Pretty to much. actually break even doing it yourself i think powders are much better powders and, yep. and supplements um certainly anything that's light uh, yep. <laughs> but um that forces you to make a decision and i am i'm all of you, like, you can do anything, you can't do everything. And, and that decision yeah. is essentially, you're going to focus your resources on a digital front or you're going to focus on retail. And if you focus on retail, you're dealing with distributors, dealing with, with each of these retailers. You know, let's say just for everyone out there, when you when you get into a, a big box retailer, um, that's just the beginning. It's not yes. like when these, oh, you're going to be in 1500 stores. Just so everyone knows, um, yeah, you're you're going to be in a thousand stores, and then for whatever reason, there are 500 stores where there are issues, and you have to iron out those issues for a month. And then, why is it in the wrong place? And then there's some logistical challenges. And this is not—I'm not singling out any one retailer. This is just the nature of having yep. stores across the country. So that takes a tremendous amount of resources. Then you know, it's not like you can just distribute your product, especially in beverage, through one company even right. through the ab network fantastic network that that means it's a network of 400 individual distributors that you have to have relationships with you need to know the owner and uh you know let them know how how they're doing um so with with all that focus that's why retail takes up so so if, if you're going to lose money which, which many food and beverage companies do yeah. um lose it on one thing and invest in in one thing i think yep. with with super coffee we realized it made sense to invest that in retail um yep. and and to scale back uh the digital side just to the loyalists and subscriptions and and light touch with with some new consumers but not go overboard in in trying to invest in a lot of new customers that yep. at the end of the day it was it was costing us more than that we could bring in um and so you know, for, for stock held, I think as well, uh, you know, definitely try the, 
the actual veggies route where as, as many of the built-in marketplaces that make sense for us uh, will certainly provide, especially with some of the other cheese products that make sense for burgers, pizza, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and then the main focus for, for us to do this right is going to be retail. Uh, but certainly some, some of the companies that advise um, do focus on uh, on D2C. However, more and more have been switching to kind of a D2C brand page that then fulfills through Amazon so that, yeah, yeah they, they don't have to worry as much about um, a, a lot of the logistics. And those platforms, man, add up. I mean, of course, yeah, you right want to consolidate your platforms uh, and, and just have some one thing like, like Triple Whale. Uh, yeah. But uh, I I highly recommend uh, for for uh, DSC managers uh, at, at least every half, if not every year, really doing a full review of everything you're paying money on. You're going to be surprised how much those numbers are a little less than what you thought they would be right. when you factor in those, those million paper cuts. And I think that yeah. that was a worthwhile exercise we did at Super Coffee, and it really allowed us to focus um, and and be great in less things. I think that's such a really what a valuable lesson. That's one of the things I was I can't remember who I was talking to about that, but um, that to me is a bit of the siren song for a lot of. Uh, not only just D to C, but just in specific businesses, when you, you want to bolt on like 78 channels at once, well, like find a channel market fit and really hammer that channel as best as you can. And then maybe add like a secondary or tertiary channel. But when I see people trying to go on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, all these things, it's just, it, it, it gets not only overwhelming, it feels a little bit dilutive to what you're actually trying to do. And, um, I think it's brilliant advice. I mean, Liquid Death, again, one of my big brand muses, they don't even sell uh, water and they don't sell Liquid Death anymore on their site. They're fully retail now. Um, because the, the to your point, like when it's pre-mixed or semi-heavy or cold storage or whenever you have some semblance of a wrinkle outside of like powders or to your point, you know, like supplements that are uh, unmixed, but so essentially powders or pills, um, you start to get into some really big logistical headwinds that um, those start to become pretty spicy line items on the PL <laughs> when you're talking about reconciling things like wait a second so we paid how much for this customer and they're only ever going to pay x amount for us um so i think the the retail is definitely and the retail seems a bit like uh almost like a snowball or like an exponential right like if you can finally get into like a whole foods or royal blue market or kind of one of these prestige type of stores then things kind of can start to fall over, but it, it's definitely, um, retail is a, it's a really interesting beast, but every single either energy drink or essentially I'll, I'll categorize them as pre-mixed or cold storage or any kind of logistical quirk. Um, everybody is kind of to your point, starting on D to C to get some semblance of a foothold, but at the end of the day, that's just to brand build. And the whole end game is to become a, a purely retail play because it's just so much easier to ship freight than it is pick and pack and et cetera, et cetera. Especially again, when you're adding in these extra cost drivers, whether again, be cold storage or really heavy weight. Um, on that note, do you guys have any, are you guys Amazon curious or are you, you sticking straight retail right now? We will be uh, approaching Amazon fresh. Uh, it, it will oh, be that's in the, interesting. because of the, the cold, cold storage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but Amazon Fresh works well um, 
through Whole Foods and yeah. um, with our product. I think, you know, again, in the in the frame of making sure we have a, a product that's great for customers, we were very aggressive with avoiding any sort of mold, which certainly with plant-based yeah. cheese, there've been challenges, not the, not the good type of mold that you see in like a blue <laughs> cheese, uh, the, the bad type. Uh, and so we, we were very aggressive on the preservatives we used. Um, we, uh, will have a new preservative, uh, by the time it hits retail, uh, that's approved by the natural channel. Yep. Uh, and so once we have that and, and, um, it, we'll be able to get into whole foods, um, Amazing. then if Amazon fresh, um, wor works well as, as connected to that. Uh, but it is brilliant. Amazon fresh works more like a retailer where you have to find the buyer. It's not just sure. like a marketplace where you sign up by any means. Sure. Um, and I think it's, we, you mentioned the snowball effect. That's certainly true in that, uh, if you find stories of success, even in, in local stores, you know, even in New York city, of like, look, look at how our, our, our rate week to week increased. Yeah. Uh, you certainly can put together compelling stories for regional chains. I think though, one of the things I'm, I'm telling my brands is it's almost too easy to jump into the next retailer, the next retailer, the next retailer. And each one requires so many resources to get right. Play. Um, that the toughest decision is saying no, or, or pushing back for a year, uh, because the buyers are motivated to just bring in a bunch of new products. They don't care whether they last for a year or two, sure. but you know, it can <laughs> wipe you out if you put all in all this effort to something that just kind of sits on shelf because you know, if, if you get into a target, for example, um, it's not cheap. If you're doing two units per store per week and they say, Hey, get it up to four units per store per week. It's not just like a button you can press. You're, you, you have to invest sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars in off shelf yeah. display and certain promos, you know, working through Neptune, um, to, which is a coupon provider to, to actually get it up. So as a small brand, that's just, not possible. You want to make sure you have some of the base infrastructure, some of the regional chains, even local chains within a city um, before you're expanding beyond that. That's brilliant, man. What a CPG masterclass. What a fun journey, Greg. That's awesome. Ended up, at, ended up slanging cheese. I love that, man. That is a really, oh man, so awesome. So awesome. You ready for some rapid fire? Let's go. All right, here we go. TikTok, overrated, underrated. It's underrated if you know what you're doing. Uh, <laughs> if, if you're keeping it to one focus, one style, the algorithm can pick up that style, find an audience. Yep. If you're just trying to do a bit of everything with no strategy, uh, you'll be wasting your time. Love that. Expo West, overrated, underrated. It's like the Super Bowl for CPG people. The, the, the like laudatory like praise that this thing gets is, is insane to me because I'm not in the CPG world and like, Ex Expo West is supposed to be the Super Bowl. So I, I want to hear it from the CPG master. Overrated, underrated, Expo West. I'm going to actually say it's underrated uh, because you know, we weren't even um, producing in the, in the U.S. Um, and we went just with, with our product and a basic sign. And we got to be in front of everyone, Whole Foods, Central Markets, Sprouts, um, all, all these big digital retailers. They all came, came by our booth. They tried it. The amount of opportunity that we got from those three days was out of control, kind of unequaled by, by anything else. And, and from a simple, uh, expo, we were pretty much set with contacts for the year. So if you have a great product, um, that is a place to be. It might seem crazy to, to set up a booth. Um, a lot of people will say it's not worth it. 
Uh, but it, at least for us, um, it was insanely good. Let's go. Powerful Expo West. Boston, overrated, underrated? It is way overrated to <laughs> live. Uh, great place to visit, few fun bars, um, but it is a town, not a city. Uh, it's so expensive, too. I didn't realize that, man. They tax you for every single thing. Like, yeah, it's a. Uh, come, uh, come to I, New York for yeah, a real city experience. Concur. Uh, Melbourne, overrated, underrated? Underrated. Everyone yes. thinks about Sydney. Oh, the Sydney yeah. yeah. Bridge, the Opera yeah. House. Melbourne yeah. is the place to live. Great markets, great bars, great attitude. Melbourne is the Bloomington of Australia. Let's go. Let's go. You can't go wrong with B-Town in Australia. I love it. Um, attending uni, attending university. Overrated, underrated? Way overrated. Let's oh, go. my goodness. I am <laughs> I'm becoming more and more of a fan um, of of learning beyond the the university i think um the the best thing that it can teach you to do is is communicate you yeah. need if, if you're not going to university um you need to find a way to um concisely get across your thoughts you know the simpler the words the better you don't need yep. a big vocabulary um but if you can figure out a way to communicate concisely um then the amount that you can learn, you know, from on the job, from experimenting, from taking those, you know, two hundred thousand dollars that you would spend, um, and and attempting a, a business or um, agree with you more. Know, meet, meeting a bunch of cool people, um, I, I think there are many other ways. Again, uh, it depends what type of person you are. I think university is incredible if you have a very focused goal of, yep. you know, I, wa I want to be. In finance, I need to learn specific math skills. I need to learn specific science skills. I would, but if if you're kind of not sure, it's just like going to law school. Don't just yeah. sign up because you figure it's a good thing to do. Um, weigh your options before just jumping in. Um, it, so yes, I I I think the biggest un underrated thing is that break year. How yeah. don't be afraid to take that break and think about is is university where I want to go or are there other avenues. Um, not just on autopilot. Incredible response. Speaking I, of autopilot, oh, go ahead. I I have one big uh, underrated, overrated that I want to talk about in this industry, uh, and it's it's stock options. Oh um, gosh. I don't know whether Give you're allowed to, to bring your own underrated, overrated, uh, but I'm a huge fan that they're way overrated, especially in today's economy oh, um the what you know essentially and and uh at super coffee we were lucky enough to work with uh i think eight or nine of the buy team uh the folks who were able to sell for for okay. 1.7 billion dollars to keurig dr pepper an incredible team uh so much respect for them uh and when you work with these folks you think that's the norm <laughs> um you know, in, in reality, especially um, as in, investors have, have tightened their wallets, um, you know, it, options are great. They're very much a lottery ticket. They're very much a, a one in a thousand, one in a, a 10,000 um, that, yeah, that they're going to cash in. I think um, you need to make sure you're you're working for for enough to, to cover the, the bills. And if you are going to take a cut, Take a cutting comp because there's someone that you're really excited about working with, yep. not because you're going to get 10,000 options or <laughs> or whatnot. Um, that's value right there. I've, I've worked for free before for the right people, but never just 
um, for for some option that you know is <laughs> a very low chance of of coming true. I go so I did another episode with James Camp. You guys should go listen to that because uh, I have the exact same view, man. I, I'm at the end of the day, really, what happens is the only people that get rich in startups are founders. It just it just <laughs> it just is what it is, and no no shade, you know, no like, but um, for like quick 10 second explainer. So usually what happens when you come to a company, Greg hires me and Greg says, Hey, I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars. And then I'll give you $50,000 in stock options. An option is essentially a contract to buy those shares. A lot of times it's going to be in common stock. Um, there's usually different types of stock. Preferred stock is rich people stock, common stocks, poor people stock. The challenge with co- common stock is one, you're going to be the last to pay out to if there is something called a secondary. So the, the challenge a lot of times with these stock options is you're a paper millionaire because you don't like for every, people have to remember for every seller there has to be a buyer. And so if you have no way to liquidate your stock in common stock is essentially basically an IPO or an acquisition, uh, you're kind of just sitting there and it, it becomes almost, I, I joke about it, it's almost like tipping where they just put the onus on you and versus or on the customer versus um, you. And so, yeah, I'm a super cash flow guy. The other thing is, especially if you haven't experienced this before, you have no clue who's on the cap table. You have no clue what the debt facilities are. There's all these things that make it super, super overcomplicated. And I've seen so many people um, really get disillusioned by that because to your point, not only is it a lottery ticket, but again, it only matters till you sell it. And unless you are already at a public company or something like that, where once you do get awarded the stock options and you exercise them, that's another thing is you'll usually exercise the stock options. So there'll be something called a strike price and that strike price, say it's a dollar. If you give me 50,000 options, that means I have to pay $50,000 to exercise those options of my own money on top of you pay the spread between the, anyways, I'm getting into the weeds. Two line didn't read, listen to great, cash flow is king. Equity is awesome, but equity is more so, again, for me, um, if you're making that bet, you either need to be A, in the C-suite, B, have preferred stock, so you can participate in some semblance of a secondary, because usually secondaries are only um, investors in C-suite, and then um, make sure there's some semblance of a liquidity event on the horizon, because if not, you're just going to get underpaid and then the founders will just constantly tell you how much money your stock's worth to quell your anxiety of being undercompensated. So couldn't agree with you more. Uh, there, there are a million reasons to work at a startup. Um, it's just the the options are, are usually not in, in the top 10. There, there's so much that you can learn. Um, and um, those, yeah, the, those options are, are usually a long shot. Uh, very, there are hundreds of companies shot. cash out each year, but there are probably a hundred thousand companies that are offering totally. those options. And again, this is also kind of quote unquote part of comp. And so I can underpay you under market because look, comp is a function of not only salary, but equity. And so I can kind of do some fuzzy math to make you think that you're actually getting paid a lot when in reality you can be under market. So that was, that was the first person that came with their own un, un, overrated, underrated, but it was a stellar one. I love it. Um, chat GPT, overrated, underrated. It's underrated still there it, because I, I know we're just getting started. Yeah. And, 
um, you know, the the amount that I've seen as again as an assistant, not as a replacement, like an augmentation. Um, I I think can be incredibly helpful ac- across a variety of industries, and we know that this is just going to be the worst it will ever be. Like it's only yeah. going one direction from here. So well um, so yeah. Can't so for it. Totally agree with you. I think this is going to be. Uh, I was talking to uh, Aaron Ordorf over at Recart. And we were jamming on this. And I think this is going to be this generation's kind of defining technology. Like for us, it was kind of the internet, Facebook newsfeed in specific for D2C marketers. Like there was just a Cambrian experience, man. Like the, the world literally changed. Um, I think if you reject AI right now, it's going to, you're going to turn into a Luddite and you're going to fall behind people that embrace it. That there's something very interesting with why Google Glass failed. I think Google Glass was incredible technology um, and it's still used in factory settings. It was just too many new things all at once. All of a sudden people were wearing these weird glasses, you know, and had the camera going, you had the internet. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, the same thing is happening with self-driving cars. Car- yeah. Cars can self-drive now, but that's too much for people to comprehend. Yeah. So they're taking little steps at a time. Oh, assisted parking, um, you know, assisted lane change, yeah. blind spots, et cetera. Um, there's already so much AI, even within the G Suite, um, I'll be writing emails. Yeah, obviously Google will yeah. finish my sentences. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I'll I'll say, hey, this thing attached. It will say, oh, excuse me, sir, you didn't you didn't attach yeah. anything yet. Um, that it's not a question of of if it's obviously it's just how quickly we add more and more AI. Same with how quickly the cars do more and more of the driving. Until yeah. all of a sudden you look and you're like, oh, this is fully automated. Um, yeah, there's really no stopping. It's just a matter of finding the right balance of new features to add that the public can take at once. And that, that was the biggest downfall of Google Glass. It was just too much at once. Uh, Stockdale, if I gave you an unlimited checkbook, who are you collabing with? Who, who's the, the number one person you want repping that brand? Man, I should, <laughs> I should come with a strong, you know, you know who I want? Um, he's, uh, a, a chef out of Brooklyn. Um, Ben Gigi, he has, the biggest energy. I think he, he's going to blow up. He actually specializes in in challah and, and Jewish fare. But in general, um, I think he has a type of energy that that could bring Stockeld across the country. With uh, he's the next great spokesperson. Um, follow Ben Gigi on uh, on Instagram. Uh, Let's go. Very creative, um, full of energy, and and exactly the boldness and fun that that we want with a brand. Um, I love that. So I know that's kind of obscure, but. Um, we, we want to grow with, with the people who, who are growing, you know, on their own. We, we don't just want to go to the predictable. I love that. Ben, JJ, if you're listening to this shop, shoot, shoot, Greg an email. Let, let's get you some cheese. Uh, favorite meal and why? Oh my goodness. It, it has to be, uh, pizza from Juliana's. It's uh, my local spot in Brooklyn. Uh, they have a coal oven that's grandfathered in. You can't put them um, in anymore because it's a fire hazard. Uh, formerly the Grimaldi <laughs> spot. Grimaldi's moved up the street. Uh, Patsy Grimaldi, who had sold Grimaldi's, came back in um, and created Juliana's. And absolutely the best pizza in in the city, uh, right right in Dumbo. Love that. Favorite place to travel to and why? Can't really beat Cap Ferrat. Uh, you fly into Nice and, and you drive uh, about a half hour east. And one of the most peaceful and, and relaxing places to to just get away. Very close to Menton, to Monaco, uh, even a half hour from Italy. Um, yeah. So that 
that probably is um, on the high end, uh, and then the low end. Uh, let, let's go back to Bloomington. You know, Bloomington. Yep. Bloomington. Those are it's well, the good. you know the New York the kind of class low brow high brow. Um, Look at this range. This thing's going from beast to that's amazing. The Bean Town, Southern Indiana. I love it. Okay, last question, and we'll wrap up. If you got dinner with three people dead or alive, obviously there'll be some stock LGs on the table, fictional or non-fictional. Who's getting invites? You're sitting at a four-person table. You're sitting at the head. You get to invite three people. Who you invite? First person would have to be. Uh, is Bill Gates too controversial? Is he still? No, uh, is he cancer? No, uh, I, I, I'm, I a think... big, I'm a big Gil, big Bill Gates guy. He he was. If you know anything about Bill Gates, not to go on a diatribe, but like he was actually like this like car- like villain. Like he was he was a super shrewd operator when he was running to Microsoft. But he's done so much stuff in Africa and stuff like that, and it just gets kind of wrapped up in some of the the weirdo conspiracy theories. But I think he he's Mount Rushmore of CEOs founders. So I, like he, he's built an absolute machine. I I think because he can look so far beyond yep. the the business of anything into, you know, how can we solve real problems in the world? There, there's so much for me to learn. Uh, yep. next person, definitely, uh, Macklemore. Uh, Let's go. uh I, I think he, he has an incredibly creative voice, obviously been through, uh, a lot, a lot of, uh, substance challenges come out the other side with, with yeah. a beautiful family. And, yeah. uh, definitely, you know, anybody, as I learned from my first job, <laughs> Uh, who travels the world and, and lives to tell about it has a, a very yeah. unique perspective on things. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, if they throw in, uh, I mean, it would have to be Oprah. Uh, Let's I, go. I mean, another the uh, queen. trailblazer. Um, and these are, I, I know I'm going to wake up tomorrow and think of 10 other <laughs> folks, but uh, first of all, you can't it. have too many of. Uh, <laughs> men at the table uh i probably shouldn't have chosen two men to start but uh you know also her story is, is absolutely incredible, incredible through uh and and through you know what a traditional talk show that kind of inspiring just tens of millions of people a world icon so so much to learn there that's a great pick Macklemore, oprah and, Gates, and Gates. that's a strong dinner man that's why and you'll definitely with that those two there you're not gonna have to pick up the checks so you bitch bash <laughs> boss you figured it out it's amazing Maybe I'll bring Melinda Gates instead. She probably knows everything Bill Gates does and uh, <laughs> has a more unique perspective. Sorry, Bill. You need to <laughs> learn more from people who don't look like me, Steph. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Uh, Greg, man, this has been amazing. It just Like I said, just an absolute masterclass in CPG. Your journey from super copy, from most interesting man in the world to um, running the marketing for a stock album. Like, what, just what an incredible ascension. Um, how can people follow you? How can they connect with you? How can they get Stockeld this time of year as my friend? That's right. Stockeld is available in New York City. Uh, Going to be launching at Zucker's next month uh, and uh, currently available in Cozars and um, and Ground Support. Uh, we'll be in retail in the fall, but of course, follow me on, on LinkedIn, uh, Greg Lorenzo, and of course, Follow Stock Al Dreamery uh, on Instagram and, and LinkedIn for all the latest updates, all the drops of uh, the new stores that we're going to be in. Uh, super thankful to to Sarosh, the CEO, for bringing me on board uh, along with the rest of the team, and excited to get started. Yeah, that brand, the brand is just.
with it. It's beautiful, man. I just, I just love the, the, the quirky, exciting, um, engaging, like you guys really nailed the branding there. I love it. Uh, Appreciate it. What else we got? If you want to get more involved in Triple Well, we are triplewell.com. We have all the analytics, attribution, all the awesomeness to help you make more money on your Shopify store. We also have a fantastic newsletter that goes out every Tuesday, Thursday called Wellmail. You can subscribe right at triplewell.com slash wellmail. Um, and then we also have another sister show on the Triple Well Network called AdSpend that is co-hosted with me and Ashvin Malwani, where we nerd out about all the latest, greatest in D2C. Uh, that's all the plugs I got, man. Greg, this is amazing. If you're ever in Austin, man, give me a shout. We'll we'll, we'll grab a drink and uh, re- relive the glory days in Bloomington. Let's go. Love Great it, man. City. Appreciate the time. Awesome. Thanks so much, Greg. Uh, Greg Lorenzo, go buy some cheese. Go follow him on LinkedIn. Go check out Stockeld's branding. Go follow Stockeld on the Instas. Stockeld.com. Let's go. Amazing. Greg, thank you so much, brother. Thanks for all the patience. This was, this was fantastic. You absolutely slayed it. Uh, that's another ROAS in the books, folks. Oh, make sure if you want to see our pretty faces, you can actually watch this on the YouTube. That's just youtube.com slash triplewell. And then if you are an OG like me and you appreciate the auditory nectar, you can grab uh, all the podcasts at your favorite podcaster, whether it's Spotify, Apple Music, I use Pocket Cast. You know the drill, people. Greg, thanks so much, brother. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.